It's been a while, but we're back and with some cracking guests lined up, some exclusive offers to keep an ear out for, and of course, some of the most exciting blue carpet action in years to recap. Alex Yee and Johnny Brownlee both at the race. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, Luis went through. He didn't stop. What's oh, no. there? He's he, he didn't realise. He didn't realise there was another lap. Uh, I don't know. It's mixed emotions. Um, I'd first off apologise to John, Johnny Brownlee, um, Alex, um, and my teammate Dylan McCulloch. This is the longest 10 seconds. She's just going to sprint, isn't she? Yeah. It's going to be like... Bobby get set, go. It's hers to lose Amazing. now. There was the smile. She knows she's clear of Taylor Brown. It's brilliant from Bogron to have a time penalty and win by this margin is sensational. And after the disappointment of the bike crash in Yokohama, she comes good in Leeds. I think we're going to see Taylor Ann fall on the floor after this. She has put herself through. She's given She'll everything for yeah, two kilometres. Is Bertrand, but Taylor Brown surely can last yeah. out now. She's onto the blue carpet, and having been beaten by Bertrand in Leeds, she gets revenge in Montreal. Wild and Yi digging in. He's moving up for another battle royale. Yi has put the hammer down. It's been a brave effort from Wild, but he's not as quick as Alex Yi. We saw it in Yokohama, and Yi comes away. He's just 50 metres from the line. Nothing more that Wilde can do. It's a really brave effort after what happened on the bike. Because second place carries automatic Olympic qualification. Rappaport is coming. Taylor Brown is locking. Is Rappaport going to get past her? As up front, Beaugrand confirms the win. France at a canter. But who's going to get to be Taylor Brown? This is absolutely unbelievable. She was a mile back. She took the time penalty, and the reigning Olympic champions qualify for Paris. What a run from Taylor Brown. Britain finished second, the United States on the podium in third. First up, we get to look back at another cracking WTCS Hamburg and kick off our look ahead to the Commonwealth Games with one of the stars to have emerged from the weekend in Germany, South Africa's Jamie Riddle. He talks eloquently about his hunger to seize the opportunities that come his way and how growing up watching the Brownlee brothers has made an entire generation coming through at the top level more aggressive racers than ever. That's where you kind of find myself in that break where I didn't initially attack. It kind of just came at this point where everyone was just looking around and I had gently ridden off. And it was kind of this moment like initially the game plan was to save legs because I really wanted before Commonwealth Games see how I fare up if I'm able to save my legs and, and see what I can do in the run. But then that opportunity presents it to yourself. you got your mantra, you got your 20 seconds of courage, and it's kind of just like, 20 seconds of courage, let's go. And just to see my career finally taking the, the lift off, it's bit, if you look back at junior results, I, it was nothing special. So to, to be in this position now, I'm feeling very grateful and blessed. If you're not dreaming for that, then there's, there's no point in, in, in being on this journey. I'm not, I'm not doing all of this to come at eighth or ninth place. Born in Port Elizabeth in 2000, the 22-year-old moved to Stellenbosch to pursue the triathlon dreams he is now beginning to realise. After making his WTCS debut in Abu Dhabi in November and following up with eye-catching performances in Leeds and most recently Hamburg. So Jamie, welcome to the World Triathlon Podcast. Thank you and thank you for having me. I feel very honoured. Now, well, it's great to have you on. It's the Monday after the Hamburg weekend. How are you feeling kind of physically and, and mentally reflecting on the race? 
Uh, it's funny. It's like a bit of uh, cloud nine, you know, uh, the adrenaline's still kind of going. You, you're still playing the race back and forth in your, in your head and you're feeling super motivated, but then going out for a run reality kind of hits you, you know, it's back to work and um, there's no, there's no time to rest on your laurels and you've got to kind of just get, get going with it and not that the highs get too high or the lows get too low and kind of just ride the wave of becoming. Yeah. Try and try and normalize the, the, yeah, the feelings, the adrenaline, the, everything that, that, that first annual first Hamburg WCCS, right. Another one to tick off. Yeah. Ever iconic one to have done. Yeah, exactly. I think everything is coming pretty quickly definitely not as quickly as the likes of Hayden Wild onto the circuit and stuff it's it's been a much longer road to try get to the WT, uh, WTCS for me but it's still it's still feeling a bit surreal just to be on the circuit I remember I think it was 2018 when uh, or even maybe even 2017 when uh, I came up as an age group and I actually did an age group at Hamburg um, triathlon Okay. Um, we were on a junior tour and we had Tizzy Junior European Cup the next week so I entered into that and I won that and I remember watching watching the race and I was like this is just this is just incredible the crowds is insane and to be able to experience that was out of this world and yeah triathlon's in a good place yeah wow so you've done it from both sides of the of the coin that's pretty special there can't have been too many people on that start line that um and <laughs> I don't know is that a good is that a good warm-up yeah no no to be able to race uh, what is it two days ago now and and have the race that, that i had and, and just to see my career finally taking the the lift off it's it, if you look back at junior results I, it was nothing special so to to be in this position now i'm feeling very grateful and blessed right i mean obviously i said in the intro that you're kind of starting to realize the dreams that you that you had when you made that move to, to stellenbosch but is that actually doing a bit of a disservice to the earlier part of your career you know realizing dreams obviously yes like mixing it with a Vincent Luis coming out of the water on his shoulder but yeah like you know your first Cape Town World Cup back in 2018 or so on like what what do you look back on you're only 22 but there must be already kind of landmark moments in your career as you were kicking through and sort of feeling that things were going in the right direction yeah exactly I think uh if you if you take it back a while and you rewind the clock a bit um you you definitely see a youngster that was definitely a delusional optimist and um i always had these dreams and i always had these aspirations and and i truly believed in them like and still to this day i truly believe that um the possibilities are endless and so it was kind of this weird scenario that i was always thrown into the deep end and i was always out of my depth in races so entering the world cups and just getting onto the start list by luck um, where I ne- probably shouldn't necessarily be on the start list. So I was always in this awkward position of, um, you know, being out of my depth, but I felt like I was meant to be. And um, I think that's accelerated my career at, at a much faster pace. Obviously, when I started coming from South Africa, we're not really uh, accustomed to such fast swimming. swimming. Like the, sw- the swim is just insane uh, right now, the level. So when I first made my first a trip overseas and, and realize the pace at what these races are done at it was kind of this okay we need it we need to learn we need to learn quickly and luckily i picked up the swimming which kind of does give you the advantage to be able to do these races because you're essentially starting starting the race near the front and um you kind of make your way back but i think if you if you really dive into it everything that i've done as a youngster has prepared me for the racing that um, that people are seeing now, for example, in Leeds and Hamburg, and I think it's only going to uh, put me in good stead in the future. Yeah. So you feel like 
you've been sort of bolting these things on do you like the the swim did the, so the, the the quality of your swim has only come through hard work it's not like you were from a particularly swimming background then no not at all i mean i i've, I've been doing triathlon um as, as a whole since i can remember 10 my dad was uh, um one of those uh, age groupers that raced as a professional you know he was a 70.3 world champion in his age group in las vegas and i was able to follow him and i was always inspired by Chris McCormack, Craig Alexander, Sebastian Keenley, and I was following these guys. So I actually came from the Ironman side of things. And then um, I clearly remember watching the 2012 uh, London Olympics and my dad was away for work and straight after the race, you know, I, ca I called my dad and I was like, I'm, I'm going to do that. Did you see, did you see how Alistair just rode to the front and, and so forth? And, and that kind of like sparked this whole ITU journey. And um, as I said, if you actually dive into the racing, I came from, essentially being a very mediocre average Joe triathlete and then you know having the realization okay I need to learn how to swim and I need to learn how to swim quickly and then luckily um uh, Nico Montavon my coach uh, from Switzerland our worlds met in Stellenbosch when I moved there and he was just on the side of the pool and essentially came up to the side of the pool and said you swim like excuse my French like and that was kind of like this well I mean not really I mean I'm coming first out of the essay races <laughs> and he just said Let's just do three weeks of stroke correction, not this pool swimming. Let's do open water specific stroke correction. And let's see how much we can improve your swimming. And that just, I think in three weeks, I was already swimming front pack in the junior races and, um, and, and World Cup front pack. So, and then that kind of allows me now when I start stand on the start list to have this urgency in the swim. And, um, you know, then it filters down to... Um, I was a very, very average runner. And like, if I didn't have that breakaway in the swim and bike, um, I would be coming at the back end of the fields in the junior races. So I kind of learned that aggressive racing style because I was such a average runner. And now that my run has come to a level where I believe is uh, some of the best in the world, I still have that urgency in the swim and bike. And that's why you sometimes maybe see me racing super aggressive. And uh, as you saw in Hamburg, you know, I don't really like the idea of trying to save save legs or because it is a massive difference, you know, pushing the pace or sitting in the group. Um, I, I don't really like that idea. And it's definitely right now to the detrimental of, of, of my racing. And it's, it's not uh, benefiting me in any way. But I think, again, this forceful learning and this uh, throwing myself into the depths in a year or two time, maybe you'll see an accelerated learning curve where it'll pay off. Yeah, you got to throw yourself into those situations and see, you know, if you're like if you're not taking your opportunities or at least testing yourself in those first WTCSs and you feel like you're playing it a bit safe, then who knows if those opportunities are going to come back, let alone, you know, give you another chance yeah. to, to, to maybe rethink that. And I think we saw that a bit with, for example, Sam Dickinson, who's just had a couple of great races, but his first leads where he was just obviously, right, I'm yeah. going to flip and take to the front here and see how that goes. And yeah, maybe you blow up, but but whatever. Mitch Coltman in in Montreal in the relay, you know, he was he was yeah, gunning yeah. it, and maybe there was a little bit of naivety, um, and and then he blew up on the run. But at the same time, you know, he had his his moment in the sun there, and he'll have learned so much from from those races, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you look at the young athletes, I mean, even if when I was in Leeds and we were racing, and we 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 missed Vincent and and Leo's breakaway, but if you look at the guys that were working in that group obviously I'm in the group, so I know exactly what's going on. 
But the strongest workers were the youngest guys, you know, um, Hidalgo from, from Brazil. He never races um, uh, scared. He's always pushing to the front, Batista as well. Um, all these guys are 2,000 uh, athletes, 21, 22 years old. And, and it looks like the younger generation are, we are that generation that watched Alistair and Jonathan and were inspired by Alistair and Jonathan. And I feel like we're coming up and we're wanting to bring that back. Um, you know, if you if you look at the, the the running now, it's just on an, another level. I mean, these guys are running on the track, sub thirteen thirty, and there's only one way I'm ever going to beat them is if I race and try to produce some lactate in, in in people's legs because I feel like I'm a I'm a bike runner, not not a pure runner. So I, I see, you know, as you said, Sam Dickinson as well, you know, pushing to the front in, in specifically Hamburg, uh, Dylan from New Zealand as well. He was. He didn't maybe get as many mentions as he should have because he was just pushing the pace nonstop. Um, so it's very cool to see the aggressive racing style. And I think it's only going to serve triathlon good in the future. Yeah. So you feel like that is a bit of a, an attitude that, that these, that, you know, this is like the breakthrough season, right? That's what, that's what we've, we've dubbed it. And from, yeah. from that Abu Dhabi race where, and to an extent last Hamburg, I guess like the, the 2021 one where the, the, it was straight out of the Olympics. So the start lists were a little bit more open. Yeah. Um, and d- has that given then this, like this new generation, the opportunity to not just come in, but to be able to come in and be aggressive, not like, Oh, this is all a bit kind of fresh. And I don't know, I don't want to sort of upset, yeah. the, the, upset the apple cart, but you can go in and race your race. And, and that is part of circumstance, part of being influenced by an Alistair and a Johnny and that racing style. And, and yeah. so many coming through at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, there's a lot of factors, right? And 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 guys, you know, guys like Vincent and and uh, Hayden and Alex and these guys, they can do exactly what we're doing, and they do do it. Um, they just smarter than us right now, you know. They know when to put the put the taps on and and when to close them. So um, right now, there's you got this younger generation, and and I think it's awesome. You know, we we just racing with our hearts, and and over time, we will learn when to um put put the gas on and when to say okay this is how we should race let's be more tactical and so forth but um i, I wouldn't want to see nothing more than to see these races just start to uh, pro- progress in, in in a way that um i think it can um triathlon's moving so, at such a quick pace that i think it's only a matter of time where to win one of these races, you're going to have to be absolutely world-class in the, in the swim, bike and running. There's going to be no room for, Oh, this is my, this is a slight weakness or whatever the case may be. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of factors with this, but the younger generation are definitely racing a lot, a lot with their hearts instead of their mind. And I suppose you see someone like Hayden coming through and doing what they're doing and, and that can only inspire you as well. Right. Because he's yeah. a young kid, still a young kid, yeah, but like just hammering it. Yeah, yeah, you actually forget how young he is. Um, I'm, I'm on a French Grand Prix team with him, and and uh, we we're actually speaking about that the other day. Like, um, no longer can he be known as the youngster, even though he is the youngster. I mean, he's I, I'm not exactly sure, one or two years older than me. Uh, he's just come onto the scene so quickly, but just learning from him, and he's another example. I mean, he's never looking back. I mean, even in even in the race this weekend, I, I rewatched the race and like, you will see him in the, fr- on the front of the bike. Uh, he has no need to be in the front of the bike. You know, he's got the fastest run. He could be saving his legs, conserving as much as possible. Um, 
to, you know, got under 14 in the five, the five K, but he's just racing aggressive. And, um, I, I didn't like it too much because he was coming closer and closer to me, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's super cool to learn from these guys. And, um, yeah. And you've obviously not had any with, you said like luck was kind of on your side, getting on some of those start lists and, and so on. But, um, and in, in many ways, meeting your coach just on the pool side and, you know, the, the yeah. people might be like, well, you know, you've had, you've had all the luck, but yeah, serendipity comes around. You've got to put yourself in those positions in the first place. Right. Uh, and being able to enter those kind of races and, and, and feel like you're on a logical path and there's no imposter syndrome is, is kind of quite a rare joy, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, I always say uh, luck is when opportunity and preparation meets, and I feel like I've put in um, a lot of preparation, a lot of hard work. I, I, I think all triathletes put in a lot of hard work and a lot of preparation. What we're doing is a bit insane at times, um, and when those opportunities are presented, I, I feel like I'm grabbing them with both hands, and that's allowing me to leapfrog a few a few stages. Of course, to get on those start lists, you can't be, uh, you have to still get the points. So I've had, you know, a European Cup medal. Um, I've got Afri- I came second at Africa Champs, so those points help to get into the, those sorts of races, and that kind of accelerates them. And my rankings coming coming down now, which is good. Um, but yeah, as you said, it, it, it's honestly just those opportunities present themselves. I've worked hard, and those two meet in a perfect combination, and then you you know you can call it luck, destiny, whatever whatever uh, whatever you want. It, it, it's happening, and and um, I'm feeling very grateful and blessed. And the hard work and the pain that you obviously love, and I saw your videos from lockdown with Andreas Selvesberg, who's another person who kind of likes to redline it quite a lot by the sounds yeah. of it. Um, but growing up with a dad who does Ironman, does that immediately put those kind of endurance, physical feats kind of it sort of normalizes it in a way, I guess, does it? Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely, it was, it was such a weird, such a weird, um, experience like you know obviously my dad was working uh, a job and and but he was training ridiculous hours and getting up in the morning coming back from work wanting to go for a run and and would always invite me and to me he was my hero so I was I would just tag along and, and see and this this became normal and then you know it went as far as uh obviously Carl Buckingham who's a, a very strong uh, Ironman uh, athlete right now he just won Ironman South Africa he came and lived with us for a while so I was, uh, you know, saw him, uh, what he did on a day-to-day basis. And he would come back after like a five, six-hour bike ride and then put down a yoga mat and stretch. And that just became normal, normal for me. Um, and I've just have been surrounded by um, very wise people, Bradley Weiss, Flora Duffy, and been able to learn from them and see what they do. And, and um, it, it, yes, of course, it's normalized everything that I do, but I... I also have normal friends so i can see how crazy we actually are but i absolutely love it i I love the challenge and each week i start each week and i'm like you know it's almost like this you don't know if you're going to make it to the end and that's how i try to live my live my life and 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 my training i'm not i'm not here to play it safe you know some athletes may look at their training program and be like you know we're not going to run over 100ks this week we're going to get injured all the stuff and to me it's like if you're not juggling that line and juggling that um that between doom or damned uh you are yeah i I enjoy walking that line and i enjoy working that line of um am i going to be fit or am i going to be stuffed yeah so the move to stellenbosch also like is that where you met flora she obviously spends a lot of time 
during most years there as well. So yeah, you, you're you were kind of exposed to to that kind of level as well, were you? And and it was obvious that that was that the move from Port Elizabeth to there had to happen to to kick on, did it? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, Port Elizabeth is, is a massive, massive triathlon community, and I still, right. I still visit there a lot, and and uh, I still represent um, the uh, Eastern Cape where Port Elizabeth is situated in South Africa. Um, but it's very Ironman based. It's very endurance based, and where Stellenbosch was known more as the ITU ITU level, and it was kind of one of those things where everything just fell into place to be in Stellenbosch. I remember it was actually funny how it happened. Yeah, my sister was going to uh, study in Stellenbosch. It's a very big university called Marty's. And um, she was quite kind of scared with living, the living alone situation. And she just like said at dinner, you know, what, why don't you guys just move there? And my mom just had a, uh, she was <laughs> owning a restaurant in, in Port Elizabeth and it just flooded. Um, so that was kind of done. And, and it was kind of this tricky time. My dad was working as a financial planner. So um, he was working in Port Elizabeth, but it is possible to work remotely. Um, because it's kind of you get your clients and the work does itself and basically everything fell into place my dad came home from work and he said you know if these three these three things happen you get accepted to porous gymnasium which is um, top three country uh, schools in the country if you get a place um, within like two three weeks and if you do this we'll we'll pack all our things our whole life and we'll move there and it was kind of this joke and and um we are a religious family and, uh, you know, everything fell into place and we just felt it on our heart to, to pack up and, and go there. And, um, yeah, um, I used to watch videos of Jan Fredino and Tim Don, those, those, those videos on YouTube that everyone's watched training in Stellenbosch. And I, I went there and it was, it was just awesome. I mean, that back in 2016, it was just such a hub for triathlon and being able to be exposed to so many triathletes and, and, and things like this, it was a dream come true. And it was definitely essential for me to, to be where I am today. And that's where, I, that's where I met my coach. That's where I met my training partners and, and yeah, friends for life now. And so, yeah, you're still with your Swiss coach. That was one of those serendipitous moments on the side of the pool then. And you like, is that, has he just brought things to you? You've kind of clicked as a, as a team, you feel like you, you kind of get the best out of each other and, you know that obviously this is this is the team pushing forward for this for this olympic cycle is it yeah exactly so so nico um he he was uh coaching darren smith and then basically when darren uh retired um he he knew he loves stellenbosch because i used to come to train train in stellenbosch and he loved uh, stellenbosch and he knew there was some talent there so he just packed up his things and he went out and he said he's gonna go find talent and back then he was a no athletes nothing and um, so it was, it was kind of like this, um, I, I still don't know why, why, we be, why he became our coach, but now it's six, seven years in the running. And yeah, without him, none of this would be possible. Um, he's just uh, not only with putting together the program, of course, that's the one thing, but I feel like all coaches can do that now. You know, it, the, the information's out there. Um, you, you can listen to podcasts and you can become a, a good coach at this point. So uh, the and everyone's essentially doing very similar things. Um, but what he brings is something that I, I can't find anywhere else. You know, the mental side of it, the, the bringing the, your best out of yourself every single day from, from your mind to, to spiritual, to, you know, all of that sort of stuff that's elevated me in, in a way that I can't describe. 
And um, the bond that we've created as a coach and athlete is um, unbreakable right now. So yeah, he's he's a, he's been pinnacle in 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 my career, and um, he's now coaching at the at, here in Switzerland with the at the Swiss National Center. So I've got some good training partners like Simon Westermann, uh, Fabian Musen, um, some really strong athletes. So um, it's it's a really good setup. And he was in Hamburg with you, was he? alongside uh, or not he, 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 no he was not uh, he was in leeds um he was in leeds with me but uh not hamburg he had um, he obviously works for the swiss federation so it's not always possible uh that comes first uh before before me so uh mm. we, we've kind of navigated that that whole situation now but it must be hugely gratifying for him as well to see you coming out on vincent's shoulder who yeah i mean for for the last few years right he's been the man with the swim yeah. that has been the one to try and get on the feet of and um and to not just do that but then to you know stay in contention for the for the full race i mean how in those what is a pretty kind of rapid steep ascension that you've had through the through the sport like from from the sort of african cup european cup level to the wtcs whether it, i mean starting for example with the swim are there certain things that you notice that you're just kind of that, that you very rapidly have to adapt to that are kind of different in terms of I mean obviously the the level it's a bit more intense and so on but I don't know the boys is it more or less hectic and tactically what are you looking to do because you're going to be further down the start list you don't necessarily get to choose your pontoon position quite as carefully either so yeah just kind yeah. of fascinated to know how you sort of adapt into those situations as well uh specifically talking to wtcs it's, it's very new for me right so I, I got thrown into abu dhabi last year and that was did not go according to plan um and that was a big wake-up call and we we worked really hard over the summer well winter for europe summer for south africa um into, into this season and um we actually have gone a complete switch up in the training training philosophy and we've seen huge dividends in that and um yeah approaching these uh these races um you know for example leeds leeds was the the game plan was given it's always given by the coach and and he he's basically what he told me was you know just make have an impact on the race i don't care how you do it have an impact on the race we want to prove to yourself and prove to everyone watching and the athletes that you belong. And um, so that was, that was my only mindset, you know, and, and that's what we focused on. So it was kind of like swim like it's the last leg, bike like it's the last thing you have to do and, and run like it's the last thing you do. And it, if, yeah, if you look at the race, I feel like on the bike specifically and the, the reception from the athletes and so forth, I was very, very aggressive. Um, uh, and and I felt like I, I proved that I belonged. Um, and as you said, like the level in WTCS is just out of this world. The jump from World Cup to WTCS is just this, this it's a big jump um, and it takes some time to adapt. But I think with those little cues that I've been given from my coach, I've been able to adapt easier. So for example, in this race, the motto was, which I actually got from uh, the Greg Bennett show, the other podcast was um, recently had an episode with Seth Pepper, where it's just about the mind and, and uh, a little line that he said is called 20 seconds of courage. Mm -hmm. And that was my line the whole race. So 
you know, when you sort of start in the swim, it's 20 seconds of courage, just give it your all, you know, it's, it, the swim is so much based on that first 20 seconds. Where can you position yourself? Then that's where you kind of find myself in that break where I, I didn't necessarily attack. It kind of just came at this point where everyone was just looking around and I had gently ridden off. And it was kind of this moment, like initially the game plan was to save legs because I really want to, before Commonwealth Games, see how I fare up if I'm able to save my legs and, and see what I can do in the run. But then that opportunity presents it to yourself. You've got your mantra, you've got your 20 seconds of courage and it's kind of just like 20 seconds of courage, let's go. You know, you're going to kick yourself uh, if you do not take this opportunity. And that's kind of our race, that race. So to answer your question, it's essentially, yeah, of course, it's this massive jump and it's, it's, it's incredibly scary and um, uh, it's uh, something only you can experience. But I think really focusing, going into each race with your cue and what you wanting to do and keep it like very simple because when that fatigue and that stress and that anxiety hits, you can only pop one thought into your head. And usually the brain likes to lean towards the negative, negative thoughts. So to have that mantra where you say, okay, this is it. If anything, if I need to think during the race, I'm going to think of this and that is going to help me throughout the race. And that's kind of helped me. In, in trying to balance this this jump that I've taken and hopefully this kind of has cemented um, myself in the WTCS um, because I do think this style of racing suits me um, so as each race goes by we'll keep changing those cues and, and that will allow me to uh, handle the the jump easier. Well I mean it's brilliant seeing the likes of yourself, uh, you know, hitting the front and clearly just loving the racing as much as anything as well. Like, you know, yeah. this, that, that in itself is, is amazing to see. And then to be able to have these kind of performances at that kind of level leading into a Commonwealth Games that perhaps is the sort of event where names can be made, right? I mean, I'm not suggest I'm not trying to like get you to say I'm um, gunning for a podium here or anything, but it is one of those races I'm where someone I'm taking down Hayden. Yeah, no, I mean, you're hundred percent right. I mean, um, Commonwealth games, it's kind of funny, like to the Commonwealth countries, it's the second biggest event in triathlon, right. In the ITU circuit. Um, and it, it is, it is a race that can really, um, make, make a name of yourself. Um, and I feel like what I've done, this year and everything I've done has led to, to Commonwealth Games. And, and, you know, I've kind of looked over Leeds and Hamburg where I feel like I could have possibly actually got a better result out of myself if I raced those races, looking at those races. But each race that I've done, you know, even, even before uh, the WTCS has been, let's try this so that we know when we line up at Commonwealth Games, we know exactly what the game plan is. And that's kind of been it. We, I need to have my breakthrough there. So let's race Hamburg with this sort of uh, attitude. Let's race Leeds with this sort of attitude. Let's race the LA PTO race with this sort of attitude so that I now know where my strengths lie and what I can do to give myself the best possible opportunity to have um, a chance at, at a middle there. You know, it, it's a big thing for, for you know, people hear that and be like, be a bit taken back by it but if you're not dreaming for that then there's there's no point in in, in being on this journey i'm not i'm not doing all of this to come at eighth or ninth place and, and that's a very real possibility to come eighth or ninth in the commonwealth games is still massive right but um 
there is that outside chance and that that glimmer of hope that and that goes for and uh, from my favorite movie Shawshank Redemption hope is a good thing and no good thing deserves to die so that's kind of my my thing brilliant I mean you sound a bit like you sound like a coach's dream level-headed dreaming big good putting the game plans into action um I, I, I think I remember my, my um heading to Cape Town in 2018 seeing there was like a, a pack of young South African athletes like Shanae Williams and I think you were there as well in the kind of press conference does that ring a bell like um maybe they weren't racing actually but you were so you wouldn't have been in there but it felt like a kind of a meet and greet with Rachel and Richard and and Henry yeah yeah Uh, no um I I don't think I was there I think specifically 2018 I was still in high school and we had our uh, um it's this massive athletics meeting um, the, the night before the race. I actually got permission to arrive late to the to the um, to get my athletes accreditation and everything. So I was there, but I remember there was a, a bit of a meet and greet. I can't exactly remember what happened, but yeah, I mean, I was gutted to not be there because as I said back in 2018, which is only a few years ago, um, these were my role models and still are to this day. You know, Richard Murray, um, so forth. Uh, these people have had a, had a massive influence on my career. I, I was lucky enough to join the Dutch team uh, and Richard, of course, uh, in Namibia in a training camp in, I think, 2017 or 2018, one of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I do remember that that, that was a, there was a meeting greet and, yeah, I unfortunately yeah. couldn't be there, I don't think. <laughs> no, but I was just kind of wondering, yeah, that, that, yeah, I mean, South Africa is obviously a, a huge country and, you know, you've got, Shanae coming through and and you kind of you know did you feel you had to sort of break through and follow your own path in order to to do what you're doing it, yeah. you know, in a kind of decentralized yeah. sort of setup like it probably is there yeah it's a, it's a really good question and, and I'm happy to talk a bit about it because um of course South Africa is a massive country but you know everything's invested into our national sport which is rugby and, and a bit of soccer and, and a bit of cricket but uh, all, all the money and focus has shifted towards that. So <clears throat> doing triathlon is kind of this left field uh, uh, path and, 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 and it's, it's actually really tricky to navigate. I mean, the talent in South Africa is uh, endless. Um, an athlete, for example, uh, Nicholas Cornette, who's uh, also qualified for the Commonwealth Games, is an insanely talented athlete and probably swims even better than me. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be an underdog at the Commonwealth Games. No one knows who he is, but I can tell you he's going to be leading the swim and he's going to make it faster oh, yeah. than anyone's ever seen. This, this guy comes from a swimming background. And it, to not go into too much depth into it, you know, if you're wanting to pursue a triathlon in South Africa, um, you, have to, you have to do it yourself in, in a sense. You know, unfortunately, we do not have the funding to have coaches uh, at the WTCS series. Um, so when I'm going to these races, it's kind of, uh, you know, me, me on my own. So it's, it's actually, it's quite an honor to be able to have the, the, the support that I have. Um, I feel like I realized this at a very young age from 15, 16, I was already working on my social cues. You know, I was doing things at school, like public speaking to make sure that I am able to, um, one day get hook a sponsor that can support my career because I knew unfortunately it's not going to come. Uh, it's not going to just be handed to me no matter how good I am, like you're seeing with other athletes. So to have that kind of right now, having that sort of breakthrough um, 
it's it's I think it is leading the way for 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 younger guys. Um, and um, I'm hoping that you know it changes a few things that uh, it allows uh, athletes to be able to um, get through this, navigate this um, this journey easier because it is a super expensive, um, super expensive journey, especially coming from South Africa, exchange rates and 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 you know we're very far far away. Um, That's true. Yeah, you forget is, about things like exchange rates sort of magnifying things like that as well yeah. right and yeah i think it's one to 17 right now which is just out of this world so for every mm. for every 17 rand um i'm spending it's only one euro so it, it does become extremely tricky um but i think if i can give any any advice to uh young south africans um or any you know un, uh third uh, third world countries is kind of I've said this to an athlete the other day that I trained with um, from France, and I kind of said to him, you know, I, I, I removed any sort of plan B from, from the journey. And I said, you know, if I'm going to want to have to do this, I'm going to have to do it myself. So I'm going to have to make sure that my social media is up there. You can, you can complain about it as much as you want, but that's the world we live in now. You know, you need to have that to get sponsors. So it's been like this very hard journey trying to get, get these sponsors but now that i'm here it's elevated me as a person um in in a big way and it's taught me a lot and um i appreciate a lot more than you know if you're coming up in a in a, a country that is developed and has these massive federations i mean it's actually funny you see these athletes that are in these federational setups and they're still able to complain about this or that and i look at that i'm just like it's it's insane so um it's yeah i think it, any advice i can give is if you're young start to work on that start to look outside of the sport and try and uh navigate that and try see what you can do to because someone has to pay the bills you know and i guess it's one thing to have the, the kit sponsors to enable you to perform but you also yeah like have you been able to find financial support as well from from some of those sponsors i mean i guess the life of the triathlete yeah there's a lot of travel but it's you know you're kind of quite self-sustaining in many ways apart from probably some quite expensive coffee habits kicking around but um <laughs> yeah like yeah. how has your kind of journey through that been and have you have, have things like fortunately clicked do you find it once you've hit like a hat trick of of solid WTCS starts and performances that suddenly doors open that perhaps weren't before. Uh, I haven't seen any of that right now. To be very honest, my sponsorships and partnerships have been um, based off believing in uh, maybe the dream and the kid more than seeing the results and saying, "Okay, let's sponsor this person." It's been kind of you know when I've basically all my sponsors it's been a pitch so i've had to go to them and be like can i give you um uh can i talk to you can i pitch myself can i pitch my journey so that's kind of been my my way of getting my sponsors so essentially you know with a pdf um powerpoint presentation and, and basically being able to talk and being able to sell myself as a brand that's kind of how I've hooked my sponsors mm. and I've been fortunate enough to be able to get financial backing. Um, and the, the team that I have right now, they, they believing in the, 
me instead of um, you know specifically my results or what whatever, which is actually quite nice because I think that is that is where it's at. I mean, if you look at the biggest sports in the world, it's not necessarily what they do; it's who they are that makes the people fall in love with who they are, and then what they do obviously infiltrates into uh, the fans backing that person. But I've kind of gone from the other direction is try and make the companies fall in love with me and what I stand for and what I believe and what I'm trying to do. And then, you know, let the results come through my hard work and determination. And of course there is that aspect to it. I still need to produce results and I still need to be climbing the ladder, but I think, you know, not everyone is going to be a gold medalist. Not everyone's going to be an Olympic champ. So you have to have something else to you. Um, And like, for example, my title sponsor in Sika, is a, a company in South Africa that is a black owned business and um, they are doing incredible things, uh, you know, um, in South Africa, they have a foundation and it's all about giving back. And, um, uh, and I'm able to, you know, inspire uh, the less fortunate, you know, these, these, these people is uh, coming from very unfortunate circumstances and to be able to see these, these guys and, and it's very touching and it motivates me and to be able to talk to them or to give any sort of advice. Um, it's, it's really inspiring. So, and then you've got obviously Under Armour South Africa, who's been with me for now six years, who've just completely backed me in, in everything I do. And they, they, they love the, the grit, the determination and who I am. Um, and yeah, recently a few other sponsors have come onto board and I'm very grateful, but I feel like my sponsors are, are looking long-term um, in, in what I'm able to create instead of right now at, you know, the results right now, because at the end of the day, top 15 is creating a WTCS, but um, it's not going to create any massive waves. You need to be coming, you know, fighting for that, that podium positions. Mm. And it's our job to be getting your faces and stories out there as well. And I feel like at the moment there's a real like, upswell of, of just great characters and really interesting personalities and people showing the love of the sport and, and, and the racing has been phenomenal this season or like over the like, so, you know, there's so much kind of clicking into place and um, yeah. So from our side of things as well, it's just, it's been a a joy to be able to sort of get behind these races and people like yourself and to, to try and get the, you know, the platforms for you to, to, to be able to share and yeah. Yeah. I think that's 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 definitely the way forward is, uh, you know, as you said, I think the, the personalities are starting to come out. And as soon as the personalities start to come out, I think we're going to see a huge, huge uh, rise in, in triathlon. And it's just about giving these people the platform to be able to express uh, their truest self. Um, Peter is doing a great job of it. I too is starting to bring the podcast and so forth in. But all these sort of things just elevate the sport as a whole um and i and i really do see that and and as you said like the personalities are starting to come out and you're starting even me like i'm a fan of the sport you know i'm watching um you know i'm following different athletes because i enjoy following these athletes and i and i will never miss a triathlon on the weekend it's just something that I, i'm just gonna tune in to watch i'll sit for eight hours and, and and watch watch triathlon if i have to because i'm invested in you know the person but so between now and the com games, what's uh, how, how's it how's that shaping up? Um, two weeks to go, two and a half weeks. Yeah, it's it's actually right around the corner. It's quite scary. I should probably be training right now, but uh, yeah, it's essentially just let's let's uh, let's finish this block off. I think 
um, I, I'm a student of the sport, so I kind of have, I study a, a lot about what's, you know, before the games, what were the athletes doing and the athletes that peaked, what were they doing, what the athletes that fell, fell off or, or just, you know, didn't perform as they were expected, what were they doing? And I think kind of what I need to do these next two weeks is change absolutely nothing, if anything, turn things back. Um, uh, I don't, everything's going so well, there's no, there's no point in changing anything. So essentially just, you know, just get the work done, nothing special, um, take everything, everything 5%, the intensity 5% down and um, just play it safe, honestly. Um, I think I'm in great, great form and I think <clears throat> there is that glimmer of hope for, for an outside shot. Um, but whatever happens, I prepare to the best of my ability, really. So it's kind of just get to the start line, safe, healthy, and, and as fit as possible. Brilliant. Well, it's been great chatting with you. This is the first one we've done in these for a little while. So a fascinating one to come back with. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it too. All right, Jamie. Take care. Good luck in, uh, in Birmingham. Thank you. Ciao.